And good afternoon, and thank you for joining us on this Friday afternoon. It is, uh, uh, it's exciting. Tomorrow, early voting begins, Dan Torres. Um, Howdy, Buzz. Yeah, tomorrow, early voting. Keep early voting. Out. I know you'll be there at well, 7 a.m. I'm a vote counter every year Ooh. in beautiful downtown Ashfield. Um, I sit in our town hall where people actually uh, vote by making X's with pencils as it should be instead Ooh. of relying on hanging Fancy chads. computers. Huh? Yeah, that sort of thing. So Dominion does not have to worry about me defaming them. Although statistically happen. speaking, the errors tend to be higher on the hand counts by people than computers. Well, that's just not that's wrong. I look at every ballot. There's never a mistake. When there's like 800, sure. Well, so, but here, you know, in 2020, I was looking, uh, just in 2020, 42% voted by mail. Of course, that was a pandemic. We were all under quarantine. It sure. was a frightening time. 23% voted early. They were early voters. And 35% mm. uh, voted on election day. I mm. expect that the, the latter will be larger this Oh, this absolutely, time. yeah. Um, and I don't know how many people voted by mail. And let me tell you folks, just so you know, that... Um, Early voting will begin tomorrow, 827. It will end on September 2nd. Every city in town in Massachusetts has to permit and offer early voting. However, every city in town uh, gets to choose their own location and gets to choose their own number of hours that are open. That is a formula that depends on the number of voters, registered voters, in each city or town that determines how many hours they have to remain open. So mm -hmm. check with your city and town where you're registered. Um, if you're not registered, uh, it is too late to register for this um, September 6th um, uh, primary. However, it's not too late to register. Uh, it's 20 days before an election, so it's certainly not too late to register for November 8th when the general election happens. And so please do register if you're not registered. Um, in the future years, it's going to only be 10 days instead of 20 days because of the Votes Act that just passed in the legislature. But I want people to be aware of that. On September 6th, the polls will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. If you have absentee ballots, those ballots are due on September 6th. So make sure those are due on time. I suppose you have until 8 p.m. to get them on. In. But uh, So please do that. Um, I also wanted to just make a little announcement, Dan. I, I think you're aware that Senator Elizabeth Warren is going to host a town hall at GCC. I've tomorrow. heard that on the show. Yeah. Did I? I've announced it before. Yes. Yes. I'm a one note Johnny, I guess. But I think it's important. And seating is going to begin at 10 a.m. She's going to begin at 1030. Uh, we don't get nearly enough uh, visits from our elected uh, statewide representatives out here in Western Mass. So. Uh, it's a great opportunity. If you haven't met the senator or heard her live and in color, uh, it'll be a great opportunity to do that. Um, so, and I just wanted to flag in the second half of today's program, I'm quite excited about the first half, but the second half we're going to, uh, I, I will be meeting for the first time Andrea Campbell, uh, the um, city councilor for Boston, um, who is also a candidate for the attorney general's office being vacated by Maura Healy. Andrea Campbell is the endorsed candidate by Maura Healy, who is now the Democratic, running for the Democratic nomination for governor. Um, and we have already had on this show um, uh, both of her um, uh, opponents in the race for Attorney General, uh, Shannon 
uh, Liz Reardon, the labor attorney who has been endorsed by a number of unions. Um, Andrea, as I said, has been endorsed by Maura Healy and uh, Quentin um, Palfrey, who's been endorsed by the Democratic statewide convention. So it's an interesting race for attorney general. <laughs> on Monday, we will have the last of the lieutenant governor candidates on our show that we haven't had on. Dr. Tammy Guvea will be joining us. Um, uh, she's running for lieutenant governor. And on Wednesday, Salem Mayor Kim Driscoll, also a candidate for lieutenant governor, will be joining us for Heavy her political s- week, huh? It is. Heavy politics. And I'm not even mentioning the state reps and senators that are going to be joining us um, Select board member, we have, yeah, we have a good week coming up next week, and uh, we should learn something, Dan. I don't know if I can do that. Well, here's going to be, there's going to be a test on what we're about to do. We are on the phone with us, calling from beautiful downtown Greenfield, Greenfield Community College, is Linda Desjardins, the director of financial aid, a uh, friend and colleague of mine whom I had many opportunities to um, uh, talked to over the years, and uh, who I know is uh, a student-centered. Her job is is her mission, which is to make sure that uh, affordable education is available to as many people as possible through our beloved Greenfield Community College. Linda, welcome to the show. Hello. Good afternoon. Thank that you for such a nice welcome. Well, it is true. I have seen it live and in color with my own eyes that. Uh, you and those you work with um, uh, endeavor to make sure that um, every student has uh, the ability that you can help has the ability to uh, obtain an education and fulfill their dreams through GCC. I've seen it with my own eyes, and I know you sometimes have to fight <laughs> some pretty powerful foes to make that happen, poverty and, and the like. So can you tell us, before we go any further uh, with looking at the president's um, debt relief uh, plan for students, can you tell us a little bit about the GCC students and student body and uh, financial aid uh, in that respect? Sure, absolutely. So GCC has a student body of just probably around 2,000 students every year who are here taking college credit courses. So we call those our degree or certificate-seeking students. And about 60% of those students will apply for financial aid every year. And the only application that we work with is the federal application, and that is commonly known as the FAFSA. So on any given year, like I said, about 60% of our students are going to apply for some sort of financial assistance assistance and then maybe about 45-50% of our students do end up receiving some form of financial aid. Um, Most of our students are receiving a combination of grants and loans every year. As the cost of education has really almost doubled in the last 20 years, the largest federal grant, the Pell Grant, its purchasing power has probably only increased by 29%. So there's a huge gap there in what the government is saying they can apply, they can um, offer students to pay for their education, right? So most of our students, like I said, even our most eligible students, 
those would be the students who are receiving the Pell Grant, they have the most need, are still finding that that Pell Grant is not going to help them with all of their direct costs, like the tuition fees and books. They're still having to rely on loans to pay for their education. And it might be impossible for you to answer this question, but on average, students who walk away with an associate's degree from GCC who went pretty much full-time, how large a a debt are they going to walk away with? So our average loan debt for students who are leaving GCC is about $7,200. Okay. It's a lot of money if you don't have it. It's a lot of money if you're making under $75,000 a year. And I believe it was the Federal Reserve said that for students who have even the four-year bachelor's degree, the medium um, income for a household of one is like $76,000. So if you have this loan debt, even with a four-year degree, and chances are you're going to have loan debt that's more than $7,200, right? Because if you needed to borrow that at a community college, certainly when you transferred to a four-year college or university, your debt, of course, is at least going to double. And when you're making that amount of annual income, you know, 50% of your paycheck is probably going to pay for your rent. Then you have food, car loan, doesn't give you a lot of discretionary funds to leave towards paying this monthly student bill. Ouch. Well, before I ask you about what the president has implemented by way of an executive order after, I guess, much discussion in-house, the White House, um, I was ebullient. A lot of people were so happy when we thought that Build Back Better had a chance to pass because uh, Jill Biden's, Jill Biden's Mm -hmm. wish of having free community college um, throughout the country and free public, eventually, higher education throughout the country, uh, it was, of course, scuttled because, uh, thanks to the filibuster in the Senate, uh, how down there in the gutters where you work <laughs> when you're actually trying to make uh, college happen for people, how disappointing was that for you guys? You know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? I mean, it's such a big endeavor making free community college across all 50 states. I think it's difficult for even states like California who haven't tried, you know, this to have free community college for all their California residents, they've been finding some difficulties, and that's one state. Now, granted, it is California, right? It's got a pretty big economy compared to most of the rest of the country. But um, I never really saw that, to be honest with you, as an obtainable goal over the next 10 or 15 years. I'm thinking that's probably a good 25 or more years out before we start to come to that. What I would really like to see is that public financial aid for college is funded. You know, when your Pell Grant has only increased by 29% over 20 years and the college cost has more than doubled, 
Well, when I, when I read Linda Desjardins, the financial aid director for GCC, since 1980, the total cost of both four-year public and four-year private college, but it's tripled. Community college, not quite as dramatic as tripling, but substantially more expensive than it was in 1980. And even, oh, af yeah. that's even after yeah. accounting for inflation and federal support, when you're talking about Pell Grants, nearly 80% of the cost. Uh, when I first went to Temple University, I got a Pell Grant. It was a grant. I didn't have to repay it. And um, nearly 80% of my tuition costs, and that's what it says here, were covered by the federal government. Mm -hmm. And now Pell Grants, I don't know, does it even cover a third of the cost? Uh, I, I doubt at a that. Community, right. At a community college, it's, it's obviously it's going to, to cover a little bit more. It probably covers about 67% of your cost. Now, at a college, even just like UMass, a, a public institution, you're probably talking anywhere between like maybe 40 and 50% of the cost. Yeah, the top Pell payment or grant award for the current school year that we're just about to start, the 2022 through 2023 school year, is about $6,800. And that's for the whole year. And even at a community college, you know, that is not going to cover all of your costs if you're a full-time student taking more than 12 credits mm. an hour, you know, a semester or four or five classes a semester. This is Dan. I'm intrigued by something you said earlier. You said that it's not very likely that community college could be made free for the state of California, you mentioned, but also across the country, and you thought it would be a 25-, 30-year project. What do you think those obstacles are? Why, why is it so difficult to make community college affordable? I think, first of all, there's a will and an understanding, right? It gets a lot of pushback. Um, I think while there are, certainly we've got some legislatures and U.S. senators who really want to bring this forth, I think just trying to make a unified system across 50 states is a really difficult endeavor. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, every college also wants to have its own freedom and how it delivers that education. Mm -hmm. And once the federal government is paying for students to come to college, how much overreach are they going to want? Mm. You know, I think it sounds great to say that community college is going to be free. And I'm not against that by any means. But, gosh, almost nothing is free, right? There's always a cost of some sort. And um, I think colleges will be required to do a lot of reporting, um, which is fine. But the infrastructure, I think, is going to be the issue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks I'm, for that. I'm sure it will be complicated. Uh, we are going to take a break. We're talking with Linda Desjardins of Greenfield Community College's Financial Aid Office. And when we come back, I really want to focus on President Biden's student debt relief um, program, which was just announced uh, a couple days ago, and to talk about how that's going to trickle down to the work of Linda and her colleagues at the level of a community college. We're going to be back with Linda right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. This week's Shop Tuesday is Slancha. This Tuesday at 9 a.m., Slancha releases gift certificates for their Holyoke restaurant. 
Eat and drink on Slancha's patio, high up on Jarvis Avenue, with a view of Holyoke and beyond. Good food and drink, lunch and dinner daily. They say it on the old sod, and they say it in Holyoke. Slancha, available this Shop Tuesday at 9 a.m. on the Shop 30 store at whmp.com. The Paul Parent Garden Club, every Sunday, 6 to 8 a.m. Brought to you by Weinzick Nursery, locally owned and operated since 1954. Visit Mike, Amity, John, and the rest of the team at Weinzick Nursery, Route 9 in Hadley, and online at weinzicknursery.com. It's the 14th annual Tom Kazenzi Driving for the Cure Charity Golf Tournament to support Dana-Farber Cancer Institute on September 27th at Twin Hills Country Club. To get involved, visit us online at TomKazenziDrivingForTheCure.com and together we can make a difference. Hi, this is Nick Seaman from the Black Sheep in downtown Amherst. We're now open seven days a week from 8 a.m. and we have live music every Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 1. We continue to make our great sandwiches, bake our wonderful croissants, Danish breads and desserts, and brew Dean's Beans Organic Coffee. We also have a freezer full of entrees to go that will help you simplify your life. And if you're having a party, let us know how we can help you make it a success. Just call our catering department to talk about menu options. On a political note, always remember that the Second Amendment says, quote, well-regulated. Make sure you call your congressman and senator and demand that they do their jobs. We're the Black Sheep in downtown Amherst, having fun with food and politics since 1986. Save 30% at Natural gas prices are surging, and with winter approaching, consumers who heat with the fuel can expect rising bills. Even electric bills could rise since many utilities generate electricity with natural gas. Since Russia is cutting off supplies to Europe, the U.S. is stepping up with additional exports. Pending home sales, a measure of signed contracts on existing homes, fell 1% from June to July, according to the National Association of Realtors. Compared to a year ago, sales were down nearly 20%. Housing economists say the market may be at or near a bottom. As kids head back to school, parents are finding that packing a lunch is getting more expensive. A new report from the Labor Department shows the price of lunch meat is on the rise. Compared to July 2021, the price of lunch meat has gone up nearly 20 percent as of July 2022. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. When I was a kid, a bowl of cereal seemed incomplete unless it was topped with sliced bananas. And we knew where our bananas came from. They came from Chiquita. Our pineapples came from Dole. And our oranges came from Sunkist. We didn't think much about it, but we do now. We want food that hasn't spent a lot of time on a truck or in a processing plant. Around here, it's hard to miss the Local Hero label. Local Hero makes it quick and easy to identify food raised right here in Western Mass. Local Hero is part of CESA, Community Involved in Sustaining Agriculture. And Local Hero is just one of the things that CESA does to help Western Mass farms thrive. CESA helps build a strong local food system, working with farmers, stores, restaurants, so all of us have fresh Fresh local food choices. Look for the bright yellow Local Hero label and think about becoming a CESA supporter. Go to buylocalfood.org, find out what CESA does and why it's worth supporting. And bon appetit. 
This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we're back with Financial Aid Director of Greenfield Community College, Linda Desjardins. So, so um, Linda, we were talking during the break. I was asking you about, the pres- about President Biden's uh, student debt relief um, program that was just announced. So can you just give us, from your perspective, the perch that someone has when they're working in a financial aid office, particularly at a public education, higher education institution, and particularly at a community college, how do you see this? I thought this was wonderful news, really, for so many families. You know, I was reading an article, I, I believe it might have been the Washington Post that had some statistics about who owes this debt in the country. And I think they said that almost 50% of this debt is probably under $20,000 and is carried by students who either didn't finish college or were living in poverty or coming from low-income households when they entered college. So having this type of relief for our students, it was just, it was great news. This is going to just help so many families to have money that they can maybe now have a savings or take advantage of how this bill is going to revamp some of the repayment for loans that aren't forgiven, right? So if you have a portion of your loans that you still have to pay, even after having some forgiven, they've uh, changed some of the income-based repayment to make it more manageable for um, students in the future. You work with students all the time, most of whom come from this region, many of whom come from low-income or modest-income households, or or they're emancipated and not earning much money. So... uh, uh, what do you think the impact is going to be on an institution like GCC uh, and its students that uh, walk out of here with loan with debt? I think the biggest impact will be for the students who are walking out with debt, right? So any student who had borrowed from the program up until this current new school year is going to be able to take advantage of this. You know, we had a, a student who called just today She graduated from our uh, LPN program, and she's now doing the bridge to an RN program. That tends to be one of our most expensive programs because of nursing. Yeah, Yeah, nursing. I'm sorry, nursing. Because they have a lot of prerequisites that they have to fulfill before they can even apply to get into the program. So even though you have an RN program at a two-year school, the RN students are probably here at least four years trying to complete this education. So they're leaving with some pretty significant debt. Now, here was a student, right? She has a son who's also coming here. So they have two students in college. You know, the ability for her to help her son pay for college because she now will have some of her loan forgiven, It's the impact is huge. Well, well I just want to say to listeners, we only have a, less than a minute left. Uh, 87% of the debt cancellation benefits is going to go to borrowers who are earning less than $75,000. 13% will go to people who are earning between $75,000 and $125,000 a year. And zero 
percent will be going to those who earn 125,000 or more. I wish we had more time to talk about to deflate some of the arguments against this. I think it's a wonderful thing. It sounds like you, a professional, uh, think it's a wonderful thing. Linda, uh, you and your office do so much to fulfill dreams and to uh, make society better by making people, um, by educating people and making them eligible to do the kind of work which benefits us all. I want to thank you for joining us today and for everything you do every day. My pleasure, Buzz. Thank you. Okay. So that was Linda Desjardins of Greenfield Community College. We are going to be back um, with the candidate for the Attorney General's office, Andrea Campbell. Um, I understand Andrea was supposed to be here in studio, and um, her campaign wrote and said there was an accident on the turnpike, and so she was going to be calling in, and we're waiting for her call. Uh, but we will take a break right now, and hopefully when we come back, we will get have Andrea on the phone Um, or shortly thereafter. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. The Afternoon Buzz is brought to you by Lundgren, family-run since 1964. Greenfield's largest automotive group is the place to buy your next Honda, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, or Ram. Experience it in Greenfield. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Hampshire County Sheriff Patrick Kaylane is accusing his opponents of spreading misinformation about him to voters since the race for sheriff kicked off. This during a final forum at Northampton Center for the Arts last night for all three Democratic nominees for sheriff. Kaylane is running for a second term against Yvonne Gittleson and Caitlin Cepeda. Cepeda criticized the tenor of the campaign and was weary the sheriff would investigate claims of intimidation and missing lawn signs. The winner of the Democratic primary will not face a Republican opponent in the November 8th general election. A Holyoke City counselor who spent the last three months in jail is back to work. Ward 3 Counselor Wilmer Polamota attended a council subcommittee meeting on Wednesday and says he has no plans to resign. There was no discussion of the charges Polamota is currently facing or his absence from the city council. Polamota has been in a Rhode Island jail facing charges for the possession of child pornography after soliciting photos of a 17-year-old girl, falsifying military documents, and violating the terms of his bail. The first human case of West Nile virus this year was announced by the Massachusetts Department of Public Health Thursday. The person has been identified as a woman in her 70s who was likely exposed to the virus in Suffolk County. There were a total of 11 human cases in Massachusetts in 2021. And calling themselves the biggest and best little fair in the country, the Cummington Fair kicked off yesterday and runs through Sunday. Enjoy great fair food, rides, entertainment, and tonight and tomorrow it's the Stony Roberts Demolition Derby. 
I'm Nick Oresco. Expect scattered showers and storms this afternoon, warm and humid with highs in the mid to upper 80s. Some storms could be severe with heavy rain and strong winds. Clearing taking place tonight, lows near 60. Mostly dry this weekend in the low 80s. I'm Nick Oresco on 101.5 WHMP. On our next show, a fish wrap on the weekend's newsmakers and events and cool films with Florence-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Larry Hott, plus sex matters with the show's resident sexologist, Dr. Jane Fleischman. All this beginning Monday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. Hi, I'm Missy Tatro, Assistant Vice President and Senior Mortgage Originator at Greenfield Cooperative Bank and its Northampton Co-op Bank Division. And I'm Mortgage Originator Kimberly Gates. If you're looking to buy a home, now's the perfect time to save on your Greenfield Co-op mortgage. That's right. We can save you up to $1,000 on your mortgage closing costs. Don't miss the opportunity to receive a $750 closing credit plus another $250 when we pre-qualify you. Chat with one of our experienced mortgage originators at any of our Hampshire and Franklin County locations to get started. Or if you're ready, visit at our new website at bestlocalbank.com and start your application online. So come on over to the co-op and see me, Kimberly Gates, or me, Missy Tatro, and save up to $1,000 on your closing costs. Close by September 30th. Be a first-time mortgage customer or refinance from another loan provider. Minimum $1,000 loan, subject to change or end without notice. Other conditions apply. See bank for details. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender, member FDIC, member DIF. You can count on your friends at the co-op. Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the Afternoon Buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, Valley Talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And thanks for joining us, those who are just joining us, and thanks for staying with us, those who have been with us. Um, We are uh, really pleased to have uh, with us uh, Boston City Councilor, Attorney Andrea Campbell, Andrea Joy Campbell has been, uh, she's one of the three candidates for the Attorney General's office, uh, statewide office. Um, As you know, listeners, the Attorney General's office is, it has a very wide um, set of responsibilities, uh, protecting consumers and combating corruption and investigating and prosecuting crime and protecting the environment and workers and civil rights. It's a broad uh, scope of responsibilities, and we have three candidates uh, running for the Democratic nomination and one for the Republican nomination, uh, James McMahon, who was uh, radly defeated by Maura Healey, who is seeking the Democratic nomination for governor and will likely get it. So with us on the phone, she was going to be in the studio, but there was an accident and bad weather on the turnpike is Andrea Joy Campbell. Hello, Andrea. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Thank you for being with us. I'm sorry that you ran into... I'm glad that accident wasn't your accident. That's what I'm glad about. That's right, and it was It was also the, the, the rain, which was a uh, uh, pouring down, uh, thunderstorm and downpouring. 
but uh, we're okay. We're doing fine. That's I'm good. Really we're really happy to be on. Yeah, it's uh, any wet that comes from the sky, we're celebrating out here in Western Massachusetts. That's exactly right. <laughs> so listen, yeah, I just wanted to... be in Western Mass, but sadly not in your studio today because of the traffic. But I look know. forward to seeing you soon, Buzz. Thank you for and having me on. I'd love to have you live and in color next time we have the opportunity. Um, so we're cranking towards September 6th, primary day, and I just want to, if you could just uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself that you think that they should know and what in your experience what in your background prepares you to be our attorney general yes so i i jumped into the race recognizing that many families are struggling right now and really worried about rising gas prices inflation the cost of housing the cost of living mental health the supreme court wage theft and so many other issues and i've been stressing a few things uh, one is that there are, of course, several candidates in the race, but I make distinctions about myself. One is that I can relate to many of those struggles. I had a childhood filled with incredible instability. Uh, my mom died in a car accident, going to visit my father, who was incarcerated at the time. All of my biological parents are deceased. All of my biological grandparents are deceased. And my twin brother would sadly die while in the custody of the Department of Correction 10 years ago as a result of receiving inadequate health care when he was 29. And yet every day I turn that pain into purpose. I'm the first in my family to go to college, the first in my family to go to law school, and I sought in my personal and professional career to make sure every resident in the state, as far as Western Mass, especially pockets of the state that feel left out and left behind, had access to the same opportunities. And I've done it working as an attorney representing children for free in education cases, as an attorney for Governor Deval Patrick, and seek to make sure this office of attorney general is the people's lawyer delivering real solutions to their problems every single day. You have been endorsed by Maura Healy, the outgoing attorney general. Um, so whoever next elected AG will be succeeding her. And I wanted to just ask you whether there's anything that you would be doing differently, anything that you saw that Maura did that uh, you would continue um, how will you succeed a Maura Healy? I'm honored to have Maura Healy's endorsement and support in this race. And, and she didn't do it lightly. She knows all three candidates very well. She's worked with all of us. Um, and she said, I know that Andrea is only the best candidate in this moment in time, but will continue to make sure the office is the people's law firm um, and is accountable to the people. Where I would actually build upon Moore's leadership, along with former attorney generals who are supporting me as well, is making sure the office is truly accessible. I would expand the regional offices that exist. There are certain pockets of the state, including Berkshire County, that don't have, uh, don't feel as though the office is really accessible. I think you can't be effective if folks don't know where the regional office is. It isn't funded. So I think um, really beefing up uh, those offices, expanding the reach, um, and really investing in municipal government and community-based organizations, housing positions in these organizations, I think is critical to be able to respond to residents. But in addition to showing up, I would prioritize certain issues. Uh, criminal legal reform, prison reform, I care deeply about because much of my loss in my life was connected to the prison system. But these are issues that also affect not just communities of color, but I'll name it, poor residents, uh, poor white residents. Um, especially as we criminalize mental health and substance use disorder. I also want the office to be more intersectional. Families care more about many issues at once, not just wage theft, for example, or the environment, 
They also care about the well-being of their children. They also want to make sure Massachusetts is affordable. They want something done about the uptick in, in the cost of everything you're buying. And an office like the AG's office can truly help by being intersectional and responding to those issues in real time with real solutions. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, by the way, I'm so glad where you started that uh, because I don't know if people know that Springfield is where the Attorney General's Western Massachusetts headquarters is. And as you said, that's a far reach from from North Adams or Great Barrington or... That's exactly right. Yeah. And so we really need to have a more accessible Attorney General's office. And I started by saying the jurisdiction of the Attorney General, it reaches into workers' rights and, and uh, uh, environmental rights. How, how will you staff all the various uh, uh, jurisdictional wings of the Attorney General's office. Um, do you know people that you think are ready, willing, and able to step into those roles? I have been hearing great feedback about many of the lawyers and staff that currently work in the office. As I crisscross the state, including going into Berkshire County and also, of course, uh, other, other counties in Western Mass, I've been to Springfield and surrounding communities, and, and also many communities in Franklin County. I have been talking to folks who are dealing with assistant attorney generals right now and saying the response has been great, the work in collaboration has been great. Um, Where I've heard constructive feedback from residents is we want the offices to be more accessible. We don't want to have to go far in order to find uh, some staff person from the office in real time to help with certain types of cases. I also think in addition to that, uh, it's really important to prioritize uh, certain issues. Um, elder affairs has been coming up quite a bit. So people being taken advantage of, a lot of consumer protection issues that affect all of us, but are especially targeted to folks within our elder community. Um, the elders also dealing with housing concerns, manufactured housing, mobile housing, discrimination. That's been coming up quite a bit. And I proposed establishing our elder justice unit within the AG's office to be more intersectional in helping our seniors. So I've been hearing from the actual people on the ground about what's working and what can be better. And I look to adopt policies that are responsive to what I hear. I know as I think you were the first president of Boston City Council, I, I believe first uh, uh, first black woman to black woman. hold That's that right. title um, back. Was that 2018? Is that right? That's right. And, and I think that affordable housing was something that you really were quite concerned about. Obviously, it's. In that urban setting, it's quite different than it is out here. But affordable housing is becoming increasingly an important issue out here because while housing prices continue to increase and interest rates are now creeping up, um, people just don't, they can't afford even rentals. What do you do about that as an attorney general? There's a lot an attorney general could do. Um, I have been stressing definitely my legislative background in delivering real solutions for folks. My first piece of legislation was a Community Preservation Act that is still generating over $20 million a year for housing projects in Boston, especially affordable housing projects for seniors. Um, and, and, and I will also say public employees. When we say affordable housing, we're talking about some folks who are working two or three jobs or folks on fixed income that can't afford to live in Massachusetts. So I think the legislative solutions are critical. Not every community has CPA or dollars available to them to generate more housing. And AG can actually help with some of that. Uh, I will also add, I will also add um, that we, it, 
I will also add, in addition to that, d- discrimination is a major issue as well. Um, and the potential for a closure crisis is, 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 a, is of a concern as well. Um, and so there's a lot that we can do. We are talking to the candidate for the Democratic nomination for attorney general. Our primary is on September 6th. Early voting starts tomorrow and continues till September 2nd. Folks, and on September 6th is when absentee ballots are due. Um, please vote. It's too late to register, but it's not too late to vote. We're going to be back with Andrea. I'm going to ask her a number of questions um, uh, about um, how her campaign is financed and to compare that with those of her opponents. We're going to be back with Andrea Campbell right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Voting as well as early voting is the way to go. It shows that we trust the voters. They know why they need an early ballot. They know why they need an absentee ballot. It's not up to government to decide if it's a legitimate reason or not. The voters should get to choose. So this, I think, is a huge advance. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Hello, I'm Hampshire County Sheriff Patrick Haling, and I'm a Democratic candidate for sheriff focused on progressive community-based programming. I'm running for re-election this year. I've been your sheriff for six years, and I love the work I do because I help people to be productive members of the community. Please remember to vote for me on September 6th. Learn more by visiting our Facebook page or website, klaneforsheriff.com. Thank you. Paid for by the committee to elect Patrick J. Kahalane. Lundgren Honda. Experience it. Now, it isn't just one thing. It is everything you expect when you're looking for your next car, your first car, or to repair your car. Award-winning customer service, no-hassle, negotiation-free pricing, and friendly, familiar faces you know and trust with your vehicle. Rob Avery from Lundgren Honda. We're all looking to get the most for our money when it comes to buying gas. How is your gas mileage doing? Is it as good as when you first got your vehicle? Let Lundgren Honda help. We will have one of our technicians perform an express oil change service. It will change your oil and filter and fill the engine with the correct oil. Check and set the tire pressures to the proper specs and make sure that your air filter is clean. All of these make a big difference when it comes to gas mileage. Call, stop by, or make an appointment online and mention this ad for 10% off. Consumer Satisfaction Award winners two years running. Lundgren Honda proudly provides you with an award-winning experience. See the latest selection of new and certified pre-owned cars at 409 Federal Street and LundgrenHondaOfGreenfield.com. Lundgren Honda of Greenfield. Experience it. I'm not sure if opposites attract, but most couples differ greatly in their views about household finances. I'm Frances Rayum, the money doctor, with Hug Your Money. Money is a very volatile topic, and most seem to either argue about it or rarely discuss it. A sort of division of labor emerges, one partner becoming the steward of household finances, the other less directly involved. This arrangement may work until a stressor is introduced, college expenses, budgeting issues, impending retirement, etc. That's when sparks can fly. Each person's perspective is quite different, and it's likely only a short-term solution if any will arise. The HUG plan presents an easy-to-follow, long-term solution that helps get both partners on the same page, alleviating stress and inspiring them to manage their finances successfully. I'm Frances Ray, I'm the Money Doctor. We now offer advanced tools and financial coaching using our patented system, all under one umbrella. For more information and to schedule your free consultation, visit our website at HugYourMoney.com. 
This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with Andrea Campbell, candidate for the Democratic nomination for Attorney General. And um, I am uh, very curious about how, how do you fund your campaign, Andrea? And uh, how does that contrast, if it does, with your com- opponents? We are running a people-powered grassroots operation, and I am so proud of what we've done. We've raised the most out of any candidate in this race, over $1.5 million. It's really expensive to run a statewide race in Massachusetts, especially because of the cost of TV and other things to reach voters. But our money is coming from the people. Over 90% of my uh, donations are from Massachusetts residents, and I'm proud of that. which is in stark contrast to my two opponents, one of whom is receiving uh, money from the state um, in a state-funded uh, campaign, and the other from her own money. So Shannon is self-funding in this race. She's already spent close to $4 million of her own money in this race. She's talking about spending up to $12 million of her own money, um, $800,000 a week she is spending to be on TV. So we're doing our best to run our race powered by the people. And that's important because I will always be accountable to the people where she's been quoted as saying, I'll be accountable to no one. And the AG's office is truly supposed to be the people's lawyer representing the people's law firm. So you have to be accountable to the people. So we can't slow down. We have 11 days to go. And of course, getting out here, including in Western Mass, to earn the support of voters. Um, well, I'm glad you mentioned Western Mass. You know, we're pretty thin-skinned out here because um, we generally feel anybody who is west of 495 gets pretty ignored, especially those who are beyond Worcester County, which we are. Um, what can the Attorney General's office do? We already talked about maybe uh, having a greater presence here, but what can the Attorney General's office do to make Western Massachusetts voters feel like they, too, are equally as important as those mm-hmm. in the populated East? It's something I care deeply about. And I started my campaign, when we kicked it off, we started in Boston. But the same day, I made a stop in Worcester, and then I made a stop in Springfield. And I wanted to set the tone of our campaign to say, I will be someone who shows up, especially in communities outside of 495, and in our rural communities and gateway communities that feel left out and left behind. And I think an AG has to be intentional about that. We are very much a Boston-centric state. Um, and I think that is troubling for different reasons. Yes, Boston, of course, drives economic activity and economic prosperity uh, for the state in different ways. But there are other pockets of the state also driving incredible economic opportunity for a whole region. And we sometimes refer to gateway communities as gateway cities like Springfield or Pittsfield. These really should be center cities because they are really doing a lot to drive economic opportunity, not just for their city or their community, but for their region. So we have to invest more. Uh, We have to be more accessible. We have to show up. Um, When we're doing announcements, major announcements around major initiatives, show up in these communities. And the other piece that I care deeply about is bridging divides. So not only between the eastern part of the state and the western part of the state, but our rural communities and our communities of color. And I'll name it. Many rural communities are concentrated with white residents living in significant poverty, dealing with health disparities and other things of concern. The same is true in communities of color. How do we bridge those communities to have a deeper conversation and collaboration so that we can uplift all communities 
and produce greater economic outcomes for the individual, their families, and their community. And I think if we get that right in Massachusetts, uh, we will continue to lead the way because the rest of the country seems to be not getting it right. So I'm really proud of um, the way we're showing up in this campaign. It's demonstrating how I would show up as attorney general. And I'm glad to hear that answer. Out here in Western Massachusetts, we're particularly concerned about climate. Most of us, well, we're outside more. <laughs> and we're very concerned about it. And and we talk about um, in environmental justice, and particularly with respect to the same communities which you were just referring to. What can an attorney general's office, particularly given the climate bill that was just passed legislatively here in Massachusetts and the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, almost $400 billion is being dedicated towards the next 10 years of climate, um, uh, lower, lessening the damage that's being done to the climate. What can our AG do to help that process? I think a lot. These legislative victories are significant, but they don't implement themselves on their own. And so an AG and the next AG is going to have to do it with a sense of urgency and, of course, be really intentional about Western Mass and getting outside of 495. I think, yes, take on the bad actors, Exxon, Mobil, a lot of conversation now around PFAS and other toxic forever chemicals and ways to take on bad actors in that context. But the other feedback I've heard from residents on the ground is, yes, have that national presence, but you better show up locally, too. Because there are, whether it's corporate bad actors polluting our water, our bays, our air, our environment, um, there's more to do in terms of corporate accountability in the context of environment, uh, in the, of, of the environment in local communities. I think you also have to work with local elected and organizers on the ground to show up in communities that feel left out of these conversations. That includes communities of color. That includes rural communities, certain pockets of Western Mass. Um, and how do you go in to say we cannot move and transition to a clean economy if you're not a part of the conversation? We have to resource communities to make sure families have access to all the things they would need to green their homes, to make sure their infrastructure is prepared. We can do a lot more when it comes to engaging families on utility rates. As we move to a clean energy economy, there will be so many families that are left out, left behind, bearing the brunt of higher electric bills or higher utility bills. Um, An AG can do something about that. There are a lot of jobs uh, in this conversation that should be available to these communities. uh, And that we know jobs are significant for so many right now. And so there's so much to do with some intentionality and, of course, with a sense of urgency. Um, Maura Healy uh, engaged. I I was applauding uh, her efforts uh, against Purdue and on the opioid front and in a number of other fronts, including more recently, she's been involved in a number of matters involving women's uh, reproductive health issues since the Supreme Court's dreadful decision, in my opinion, Dobbs. Um, what, what, do you see yourself as having as national a presence as Maura Healy did? I think we have to. I think Massachusetts and our residents, we have an obligation to. We are so blessed in this state in many ways. I, I've said for a long time, as painful and tragic as my personal story is, This state gave me all of the opportunity to become the first in my family to go to college, to go to Princeton University, the first in my family to go to law school, to go to UCLA for law school. This state afforded all of that, an excellent education, mentors, and opportunity. How do we make sure we do that locally for every resident in the state, 
while at the same time lead conversations nationally because of the progressive laws that we have here. So we can do both, focus locally on helping our people, but nationally show up in the reproductive care conversation, and we should because we are so progressive when it comes to our laws here, show up in the conversation around guns. There is a way to strike a balance uh, in many conversations that are happening. We have the progressive laws to prove it. Um, We know how to get it done. Uh, In addition to that, mental health. There's an epidemic of mental health concerns in the the country as well as in Massachusetts. We can show up in, in both places. And so I think we have an obligation to lead while, of course, making sure that we are doing what we can locally to strengthen our laws, to protect our residents, to make sure that our folks have access to all of all of these progressive laws promise. We can do both. And I think we need to because Massachusetts needs to be a leader because we are this we are just that special. And that is a great place to break because uh, we have to. But, uh, yes, I agree with everything that you just said. And we are lucky to be in this state. Um And we're lucky to have people like you of your quality running for statewide office. We've been talking with Andrea Campbell. Uh, September 6th is the primary. She is running to be our attorney general, the Democratic nomination. Uh, Please vote. Please make sure that your vote counts. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. And drive carefully. Thank you you so much. Enjoy your day. Okay, I hope to talk to you again. Bye-bye. Everybody else, have a great weekend. Join us on Monday for the afternoon buzz, 4 o'clock. This is the afternoon buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Your phone is a radio. Your computer is a radio. Your smart speaker is a radio. And your radio is still a radio. You can listen to WHMP on all your devices and on 1015, 1400, and 1240. WHMP. Live and local news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station.